Hey, sophisticated spectators. Want to stay loud, laced, and locked in to Beyond the Bleachers? Our brand new website, beyondthebleacherspodcast.com, has links for every streaming platform where you can listen to new episodes every Monday, including Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Amazon Music, and Google Podcasts. Also, be sure to follow us on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at beyondthebleachers underscore. What's up, y'all? Welcome to another episode of Beyond the Bleachers. My name is Samantha. I have my lovely co-host Jocelyn with me. How are you? I'm good, girl. I'm good as always. Happy to be here. (laughs) So it has been an interesting week for our two teams. Um, South Carolina had a little bit of a historic week three games in a row, the first three games of the season where they have scored at least a hundred points on the other side. Maryland is having their troubles right now. It's still early in the season, but we have played some tough opponents for two games in a row now. And so we're going to talk a little bit about week two, Maryland and South Carolina. Uh, You want to go first or you want me to go first? You can go first let's get the rough news out the way. So Maryland, after being beat by South Carolina this past Thursday on November 18th, they went up to stores, Connecticut home of the Yukon Huskies, where we suffered another L we lost 80 to 48. I'm not surprised that we lost considering that Yukon was on a little bit of a redemption, uh, tour I guess I'll say um, after losing to an unranked team and so (laughs) I wasn't surprised that Maryland lost but I was kind of shocked that they lost by so much and so I was really disappointed in how they played Um, a couple things that I noticed one this small lineup is not working they're basically starting with five guards um, and their tallest player in a starting five is 6'2", Cheyenne Sellers, and she's playing point. So when you're thinking about defending the paint, when you're thinking about rebounding or even just stopping Aaliyah Edwards, you're not going to get it with people that are only 6'1 or 6 feet. So I don't know. We, we need some height. Um, I also realized that we had too many team fouls. Um, We had 21 in the game, which is averaging five plus per quarter, which is going to put UConn in the bonus. And so we don't need to be giving up points to them either because they're going to take advantage of it. We had way too many turnovers, 27 turnovers to UConn 17, and UConn had 29 points off of turnovers, which... That in itself just was ridiculous. We can't see that anymore. Um, We did not have even scoring, which, you know, I mentioned last week is something that is necessary for Maryland. Um, So with that being said, we did not have enough bench points. Two people did not score, and we only had eight points off the bench compared to 29 for UConn. And we were outscored in the paint. We only scored 18 points in the paint, and UConn scored 46 points in the paint and that's without them shooting well from the three so they are outscoring us on all levels and they didn't even shoot well from the three which is their bread and butter they were only six of 19 from the three 
And so there's a lot of improvement that needs to happen. Obviously, this is early in the season. And so starting your season playing two of the toughest teams in NCAA women's basketball is not fun. But I think if you can get those games out of the way and really regroup, it will prepare you better for the tournament. Um, so in the postgame uh, press conference, Brenda talked about how this is the first first three games. So first season that these five starters have all played together. We're playing with some tough losses from last season, both Abby Myers and I mentioned Diamond Miller last season, both leaving to go into the W. And so they are learning, they are adjusting, but they're still optimistic. You know, they know that it's a long season. They know that they're not expecting to be the number one team, but they're expecting to be competitive and they're expecting to get better every game and continue to make those improvements. So not as disappointed as I would be if this was the end of the season, but we've still got a lot of work to do. Yeah, I mean, it's still early. And, and that's what I'm going to say is you is your team saving grace is that it's still early in the season. We're only like, like some teams only like three games in. Maybe some teams are going into their fourth game. So it's OK. You know, there are, there is a lot to work on, but at least it's clear. And hopefully they can figure that out. But if we want to go on over to the Gamecock side... <laughs> I mean, man. <laughs> We've been well, tell the people first of all about how you got the opportunity to actually go to the game in Colombia. That is such a big deal. Yeah, man. So uh, I recently went to the basketball game this past week. Uh, they played uh, South Carolina played Clemson. It was a great atmosphere. Just the atmosphere. Period is just unmatched so first the the you know fans the presence in the stadium and the arena was so just infectious it was contagious you wanted to get up and stand up and and yell and scream we got to work on the mascot though i I must say on the mascot because i don't know scares me a little bit he went a little janky but nah but anyway uh it was a wonderful turnout and and that's the first thing that I noticed uh before like stepping into the arena there's just the fan base of of the uh Gamecocks women's basketball team is just insane and luckily for me I was able to go on ahead and uh get a photo with Dawn Staley after the game Shout out to Dawn. Thank you for taking the time out. She is a hard, you know, a hard coach while she's coaching, but super humble, you know, when the clock is finally at zero, 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 and she's just open to really interacting with her fans. So I love that. And that's important too for the, for the players, because the way that these players play, they're just having fun. And that's something that I could see on their faces. They ran the score up. Yeah, you know, it was a it was a pretty much a blowout. I can't I can't deny that. And and again, Clemson is not a ranked team, but they would I have to give kudos first to also Clemson um on the game that happened this past Thursday on November sixteenth. Because they played until the until the buzzer buzzed. So I have to give that to them. Kudos to them. But South Carolina did end up outscoring them 109 to 40. Uh, and really what was impressive to me was just, again, the ball movement. A lot like the game with Maryland against, you know, your Terps, girl. Listen, it's just the way that the South Carolina plays right now, they're underrated when it comes to their defense. 
but also just what they're doing as far as a team together. You know, you have more than one, multiple team uh, teammates scoring in double digits, but they're not only just doing it on the offensive end. You're getting re- rebounds from just pick it a litter, pick who whoever you want to, to like grab a rebound at this point. You have all the guards, obviously the freshman, uh, my full Wiley, she scored 18 points that game. She had nine rebounds and, and three assists and she's a freshman. Okay. So I just want everyone to just look at the fact that this is a well-rounded team. You have, you know, Cardoso, the tallest ever. I got a chance to take a picture with her. I looked like a little person. Absolutely did compared to her. Uh, but her presence is so just beautiful and bright as well. And and I think that's just again another testament to Dawn Staley and and her program over there. But it was a great game. Uh love being there. Can't wait to go back. Hopefully we get Dawn on the show <laughs> and maybe some South Carolina uh players. Who knows? That sounds so exciting to be down there. Um I was super jealous, but <laughs> you can find some of Jocelyn's experience documented very soon on our Instagram page at beyond the bleachers underscore. She was gracious enough to take some pictures to get some video footage. And so we're going to be sharing that in the near future. So keep an eye out for that. So in the W world, there was something very exciting that took place uh, just last Sunday on November 12th that Joss and I have been waiting for for a few months now since it's been announced. And that is the airing of Candace Parker's first documentary. So before we even get into talking about the actual documentary, Candace Parker has been my favorite player for a very long time. As you know, you can see I have her magazine cover on my shelf. Um, So I was very excited hearing that we were going to get a little bit of an inside uh, look at her life um, because her life has been widely known since pretty much her high school days, but it's mostly been centered around basketball. Um, She has shared publicly some different stories um, from her childhood, from her experiences in college and things like that. But this is the first time we're really getting an in-depth close glimpse at some of the personal side of Candace Parker. Um, And so I think from that perspective, that was something that I was really excited about. Yeah, I was super excited and happy, you know, that we are finally getting an in-depth look at Candace Parker. Anything dealing with Candace, I'm interested in because like you, she's one of my faves, absolutely, hands down. And her story is just remarkable in and of itself and the fact that it's still being written. So I absolutely was all in and down for watching that because I wanted to see if she was going to talk a little bit about that uh, whole debacle of leaving L.A. and going to Chicago, winning there. And then uh, we'll get into it a little later. But, yeah, I was super happy. Okay, so we took some notes because we don't want this to be the last Candace documentary that we see because, as you mentioned, her story is continuing to grow every single day and she has so much more left in her, even outside of actually playing basketball. So we Mm -hmm. analyzed the documentary like we do everything else. (laughs) And so we divided it into four different categories. So something that we found interesting that she shared, something that we wish she would elaborate a little bit more on, 
one aspect of the documentary that we wish was included. Um, and then uh, we'll talk about the overall significance of the documentary as a whole. So something that I found interesting that she shared was I really enjoyed all of the moments that she shared about Pat Summit and all of the different memories that um, they shared together. Specifically, she talked about, um, you know, Pat Summit's final days and how um, she remembers going to visit her um, in that span of like her final days before she ended up passing. And then also, even when her health started to decline, she noted that Pat Summit still remembered her. Like Candace was one of the last people that she actually remembered. And so I thought that that was like a cool little (laughs) thing that she shared um, because that's so intimate, you know, like when you have someone as important um, as Pat Summit was to Candace in your life to be able to share that moment is so important in itself. And then to be able to share that with, you know, your fans is also like such a touching moment. Um, And then for me, the nostalgia of flashing back to the day that Pat actually died and Candace's decision to play. I like that she talked about why she made that decision, because I think that when people got the announcement that she had passed and knowing that, you know, the LA Sparks were going to play later that day, I think the overall feeling was like, is Candace going to play? Because LA was having this like amazing season. And then if she does play, what is she like? How is she going to play? Because now she's also grieving the mm. loss of her coach. And so right. um, I, flashing back to that moment, it was like being there because I remember watching that game. And so it kind of took me back mm-hmm. to that place. And then also the nostalgia when they actually ended up winning the finals a few months after Pat died and once again reliving that and remembering what that meant and I remember even crying when they actually won not only because they won but just like knowing what that meant to Candace yeah. and watching her career for eight years prior to that and having that all happen within months of her greatest mentor and basketball passing it was so nice for her to share that with us because like I said those are intimate moments that she could have kept personal but she decided to share with the rest of the world I thought it was really cool yeah I love that I love that Pat still called her Parker and you could tell you could tell how close they had of a relationship they had with each other and it was nice to just get a little bit more info on that and just to dive a little deeper into their really close relationship. I remember she was saying how when her parents uh, got divorced, like, you know, Pat was really there for her and she would be in her room, like doing homework and whatnot. So it was really cool that, uh, that they had that experience and, and Candace found a mom away from home with her, you know, she felt really safe with her and, and that's beautiful to know. What I thought was really interesting was when Candace said that She's finally at a place, I think at the, pretty much at the top of the uh, documentary, Candace says she's finally at a place where she could just be herself. And that made me wonder, you know, like, who was she trying to be? Like, what was she trying to be for everybody else? Because you could tell that a lot of her career was really a lot about what people thought of her. And she, you know, you'll find on later on in the, in the, um, in the documentary that that was a lot on her that was really heavy to hold and you know just to look at all that she's accomplished with all of that heavy weight that not only people put on her but that she put on herself that she was just able to rise to the occasion each time breaking you know 
records and, and making history almost damn near every year that she was out there. Uh, you know, it was really amazing to just kind of dive into that. And it was really interesting for me to know that, you know, she felt that way and carried all that massive weight around as she was, you know, doing such great things. And, and it was it was a testament to that I learned more about her mentality of how, you know, competitive she is, not only that, but also her critique, like her work ethic. And they talked about a little bit about how it was very similar to that of Kobe Bryant. And we all know about the Mamba mentality. So the fact that she just kind of was born with that from jump, because her mom talked, alluded to to that a bit of just how she was growing up as the only girl with all these boys, with her older brothers, you know, she really found her own and made her own way. So, you know, it, it just kind of goes into like what it took and, and how it felt to strive for greatness, you know, you can sometimes lose yourself and question, you know, are you only doing it for everyone else? Are you really doing it for yourself and how authentic you can be throughout? So I love that in the documentary, we see how she began to just kind of step into her own authentically as far as being herself. Yeah. And I think her stepping into her authenticity um, started to take shape when she made the decision to leave L.A. You know, I think a lot mm -hmm. of people expected her to kind of stay in L.A. a la Kobe Bryant, you know, and kind of mm -hmm. do her full tenure in the same city. Because I think a lot of times that's what ex is expected, you know, the loyalty factor. And so mm -hmm. I think that when she had to make the decision to leave, that was her saying, you know what? I have to do what's best for me, what's best for my position in this league, what's best for my family and what I ultimately want to come out of the back half of my career. Um, something that I wish she would have elaborated a little bit more on was her decision to leave Chicago. Um, because mm -hmm. with that move to Chicago, she signed a two-year um, contract. And I think a lot of people expected that to be where she was going to retire, knowing that she grew up just outside of Chicago. And she, you know, talked about how she wanted to go back home and win a championship for her home city, you know. Mm -hmm. And so I know that uh, the documentary filming ended prior to her decision to leave and so for those of us that saw the documentary there was like a little snippet where the words come on the screen and it was like you know for the 2023 season she decided to leave and join the Las Vegas season, you know but I just wish that they could have done like a little <laughs> 10 minute like in post-production can we just get a 10 minute interview like we just want to get the band something you know because we want <laughs> right I think that at the end of her um time in LA we kind of saw a shift happening with the organization and so people weren't surprised when she left because there were so many things going on and it was like mm -hmm. maybe it's for the best that she leaves you know she but with Chicago it, yeah. I think it was a little bit more sudden I don't think that people expected her to leave and I don't think that people expected her to leave and go to Vegas I think that that was mm -hmm. honestly like the last place that some people expected her to go you know and so mm -hmm. I would have loved even just five minutes of a little bit of elaboration um giving grace that it was clear that the filming for the documentary ended before her decision and they kind of added that little snippet that 30 second snippet at the end you know to kind of acknowledge that stuff has happened since but right. i wish that there was a little bit more and maybe they're saving that for a part two when she retires and we do this whole now that she's retired, like, what does the rest of her career look like? Mm -hmm. um, 
So that's something that I wish that they would have elaborated more on. But I'm just going to say that it's a cliffhanger to a part two in the future when Candace has her broadcasting career. And then we could do a second documentary uh, documenting the last parts of her career and then into her her new full time career as a broadcaster. Yeah, maybe they need to on unapologetically spilling the tea like we need another (laughs) we need more (laughs) and also just going really back really quickly something i didn't um know that she wanted to do uh and that was interesting that i found out because i didn't know until she said it in her doc was that she wanted to quit her freshman year she didn't know that at all because of her injury and, and all of that and her parents uh divorcing so had no idea about that but that was cool that she shared that but what i wish they had have elaborated on it. You kind of touched on it. I wish there was more um, on like her 2016 year, you know, when Pat died, she got, you know, uh, uh, in 2016, Pat died and she, she was in a lot, she had a lot of personal challenges, she stated. Um, and Candace just wasn't happy with Sheldon. And that's, you can just tell that she wasn't because eventually, you know, in the documentary, we get into Anya and all of that. But it was just the fact that, you know, Sheldon was a huge part of her life. Like part of the reason why she uh, got benched in one of those really big games. But that's what I also love about Pat Summit um, is that she was like her mother legitimately. She, you know, she didn't, she wasn't pleased with her actions off the court. So she said, then this thing that you love doing so much that we all love you doing so much I'm going to sit you. I'm going to bench you. And that's a testament to just what kind of coach that past summit was. Uh, Always going to be iconic for that. But yeah, going back to hold the Candace thing, you know, she quickly kind of elaborated, like she not even elaborate, but she quickly kind of touched on that. Like, oh, yeah, there was a lot of, you know, um, personal things that was going on with me. But then they move like quickly past that. So I would have loved to like hear her more on that because there there's a lot to say about young love especially when you're both trying to follow your dreams and still balance like this profession like having a career especially as being a professional athlete both of them at the time and and just what that really could bring I agree and without her getting too I guess like too too personal because she may not have Mm -hmm. felt comfortable with that um, there was a lot that happened to Candace in that year. You know, she briefly mentioned her divorce. Um, obviously, they won the WNBA finals. Um, but she also, in addition to losing Pat, she also was not picked for the 2016 Olympic team. You know, she was yes. cut by rival college coach Gino Oriema. You know, so all of these yep. things are happening all within a short period of time. And while I don't expect her to give her like deepest, darkest emotions, I would have loved a little bit more <laughs> of like, like you said, like how that feels going through all of these things. And in that moment, like coming out on top and winning at the highest level, but then also still dealing with all these other things that are taking an emotional Loss. toll on you and what yeah. that looks like. It's, it's difficult, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so that's why I said, I'm considering that a little snippet at the end to be the cliffhanger to part two, because I want more. <laughs> at the end of the but the part aspect two that through. I wish, <laughs> right. The aspect that I wish was included um, that I didn't see much of was I would have loved to hear more from her teammates. Uh, we mm-hmm. did see uh, Chelsea Gray, who's, you know, her best friend on and off the court. Oh um, they played together in L.A., um, Candace in a YouTube interview kind of conversation sit down with 
uh, her and Chelsea, um, she talked about how she told the GM, like, we need to get Chelsea Gray. Like, I want her here in L.A. We need to go to Connecticut and we need to get her and she needs to be here. And so <laughs> Candace is the reason why Chelsea Gray found success in L.A. and is, you know, part of the reason why who she is, what she is now, you know. And yeah. so they have developed a great relationship off the court as well and I think that anybody that follows either of them on social media knows how close they are um so I it was no surprise to me that she was a part of it we did see a couple of her teammates from college um but I would have loved to hear more from people other people in the W whether they're her teammates from the Olympics you know past Olympic seasons or whether Mm -hmm. teammates from you know other teams that she's played on or even maybe you weren't ever her teammate but you were her opponent in the W like I just would have loved to hear from other people when I think of other people I think of like um Sylvia Fowles who Mm -hmm. not only played against her in the W but also played you know, against her in college because they graduated the same year. They came into the draft at the same year. Sylvia Fowles went to LSU. So in the SEC with Tennessee, like I would have loved to hear from somebody like that versus somebody, and this is no diss, but somebody like a Holly Rowe or a Jamel Hill who, yes, they have become yeah, familiar with her. Like <laughs> I'm not, I mean, they do have a rapport and I'm not going to knock that, but I'm just saying like in terms of people that know her on a deeper level, like not exclude her, but when we're talking about if we have to choose five people that know Candace on a deep level that can speak to different (laughs) aspects of her. I'm not thinking about a Holly Rowe. I'm not thinking about a Jamel Hill. I'm thinking about people that have played with her since college. I'm thinking about people that have, you know, played with her or against her in the W or in the Olympics. Like those are people that I'm looking that are with her in the locker rooms that are with her in the practices that can attest to those things that we don't see, you know, because we see Holly and her interaction on ESPN all the time but we don't see what happens in the locker room we don't we don't hear the stories of what Candace Parker and Sylvia Fowles dueling like back in college and what that looked like like I was young when she went to college you know so I would love to hear those stories of them like reminiscing and what it meant to prepare for a Tennessee and what it meant for Sylvia Fowles to prepare to go up against Candace Parker and what that looked like and what the preparation for that was like those are just some of the things that I would have appreciated a little bit more of yeah I would agree but you know, like you said Sam they it's a it's a perfect setup for a part two where they have you know a Sylvia Fowles you know all these different I think even Alicia Clark during the season and like a lot of press game uh a post-game press conferences talks about Asia Wilson um so like even talking about playing with Candace too because they were both like the new team uh the two new teammates to this already well-oiled machine and just like how they had to find their footing so it would have been nice to like hear from her even too just like as a teammate who used to be an opponent and now is a new teammate too and so yeah it would have been nice to see just something a little more current on that but that kind of goes into what I wish they had included I wish that the doc started we talked we kind of alluded to it a little earlier I wish the doc was recorded and like you know filmed after the finals this year because 
I would have loved to hear the inside scoop. Like we talked about the decision that went behind her leaving Chicago and meeting the ladies and, and talking about her feelings towards, you know, James Wade, <laughs> like in, in, in that whole situation, maybe she would give us a little something on like how she felt about that, because I know she had a really good relationship with Kalia Copper. So it would have been really cool to just kind of hear that, you know, like have the film, the, the, the documentary film just a little after that so we can get those, you know, that inside scoop of, of that whole ordeal. And, you know, I wanted the tea because she spilled a little bit with the Derek Fixture thing. And then to your point of uh, having just more, um, you know, more teammates of hers, Chelsea Gray was one of the best ones to have. So I am happy that they did incorporate Chelsea Gray because I'd love that the, the story that they actually shared um, when Derek Fisher ended up sitting Candace Parker for, I think, the uh either like I think they had to win that game in order to continue on for the finals I think it was game four of the finals up against dang who was it was it Phoenix or who was it I forget who it was but basically Derek Fisher decides to sit her out no it wasn't in the finals it was in the playoffs it was a playoffs 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 right and um it it was a big game because it would have decided if they moved on or not it was the playoffs in the bubble yeah in the bubble so it was a 2020 year and basically you know Derek Fisher had her sit out and never really put her back in the game and basically what Chelsea said was that Candace kind of was a little upset with Chelsea that she didn't stick up for her she's like you know we're friends we're teammates we we know each other you were supposed to stick up for me there why don't you say hey Candace needs to be in the game like you know that was really weird and and I and I think they even show the footage of her on the sidelines saying why now you know like why did they do this now so I love that they talked about that and aired out like you know that they weren't really happy with each other or not even with each other but Candace wasn't happy with Chelsea not saying anything but Chelsea was like, hey, I got it, got you, won't happen again, basically. And now, you know, we, we see where they are. But that would have been nice to just for them to like elaborate more just after that whole ordeal, going to Chicago. That yeah, that's fine. But after Chicago, how she felt. So I would have liked to see that. Yeah, and you know we've had our theories about that mass exodus that happened <laughs> in Chicago um, that do. Candace Parker was a part of. And we yep. talked about that a little bit with James James Wade's exit from Chicago. And so, you know, we kind of talked about whether players knew that that was kind of looming. And so maybe mm-hmm. that's why the mass exodus happened. And so that's why I think that's part of the reason why we're so curious about, you know, the events that had her leaving Chicago. Um, But what kind of significance do documentaries like this have for the growth, not only of the league of the W, but also just of women's sports in general? I think stories like these are so important to just maybe, you know, somebody falling in love with a player or even falling back in love with a player, you know, it's imperative that we share the stories of women athletes, especially black women athletes that are in the, you know, LGBTQIA plus communities or just a woman professional athlete that's playing on a high level, especially in the level in the W, the league of a W, because we talk about all the time how elite it is, how hard it is to stay on a roster, to get one, get on a roster and then to stay on a roster uh, you know, having a family at the same time. And, and it, it really humanizes these women, you know, to put them 
on this platform it gives it shows it gives us all a representation of you know of the family dynamic not only like off the court but what it takes to be successful on the court when you have all these other you know responsibilities you're still a human being too you know so I love that it could motivate and inspire all these young ladies out here that are looking to possibly go into the WC how it works um and and what and if they what kind of life they could possibly have you know it can give them it can inspire them it can encourage them so I love the documentary and I hope that there will be more stories to come that kind of give us a more in-depth look on our favorite players because their stories matter and it's wonderful to see how they got to where they are and and to see where else they're probably going to go. I think it's also important because um, when we're thinking about women's sports, we're thinking about leagues that are smaller and more fan connected. And so for Mm -hmm. that reason, you know, a lot of times we put famous people, celebrities, professional athletes on this pedestal and they seem almost untouchable. And so when you have Mm -hmm. documentaries like this that really get personal with these athletes, it really humanizes them. And Mm -hmm. it really shows that, you know, yes, I may have money or I may have fame, but I still am a normal person and I go through the journey of life just like you do. And Mm -hmm. especially in women's sports, because you're not going to see too many women that are making like $50 million a year, you know, (laughs) (laughs) it makes it even more humanized, you know, because you're, you're thinking like, oh, not only I'm not talking about like a a rich person like LeBron James, you know, I'm talking about a person that, you know, I mean, Candace doesn't make a regular salary. We know she's a millionaire. (laughs) We're talking about women's sports. The majority of women's professional athletes are making regular, what we consider to be regular salaries, you know? And so these are regular people. Yes, they have this platform, but they are regular people and their, their job just happens to be in front of millions of people. Um, And so I think that, it's just another way of connecting with fans. It's another way of showing the inside of what it looks like to go through this journey. I think a lot of times when we're kids, you know, if you're a basketball player, you're like, I have dreams of being in the W or I have dreams of being in the NBA. If you're a football player, oh, I have dreams of being in the NFL baseball. Oh, I have dreams of being in, you know, the MLB. But I think that when you truly can see somebody's journey, it kind of puts a different spin on the game. And it's like, wow, like, if I want to be a professional athlete or even a collegiate athlete, like this is what it takes. It takes this level of dedication, this level of heart, and also this level of talent. And so we always talk about the the W being super duper competitive just because of the limited number of spots. And so to see somebody that just has this insane level of talent at an early age, it is admirable. But I think it is also just astounding to see somebody go through that growth and just having that natural talent that, you know, you can you could take away a lot of things from people, but you can't take away their natural talent. No. Nope. Um, and so I think that that is an aspect that we would like to see more of, not just in the W, but just in women's sports in general, women sharing their stories, sharing their journeys and being inspirations, not only on on the court or on the field or whatever sport you play, but also um, in people's living rooms. So transitioning out of the Candace documentary, we need to go ahead and shout out some teams that have 
really done their thing this week. We've had a lot of upsets within the first couple weeks of the NCAA season. We have talked about some of them in the last episode and the upsets just keep coming. The AP polls have been re-ranked again and they will be re-ranked again on this coming Monday. (laughs) And so I'm interested to see where everybody falls once again, but there have been a lot of upsets and we're going to talk about them. So, Joss, I will let you go first with the first upset in our breakout segment. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, that was one of the things that I remember we were talking about before we got on to start recording is that there's just been a series of upsets. You had UConn upset with the non-ranked NC State giving them their first loss of the season. Uh, that's going to lead me into my breakout star. But I just wanted to say also you you had Iowa who had moved to number two in rank after UConn basically lost. But they also lost to a non-ranked team, Kansas State, this past Thursday on November 16th. I mean, all I have to say is one name. I believe you pronounce her name, Ayoka. Ayoka Lee, the 6'6 center for Kansas. I mean, she snatched down like 12 rebounds and she had 22 points. She had a lot to do with handing them their loss. After getting into early foul trouble because she got benched in the first with two fouls. So kudos to her. Kudos to her. I mean, uh, Kansas ended up that game, ended up closing that game out. It was like 65 to Iowa's 58, even though our girl, Kurt. Uh, Caitlin Clark, she still scored 24 points. She still had six rebounds and three assists. So it's going to show that it's not all about one player. One player does not win games for you, honey child. You got to get it all in there. But going back to uh, my real true breakout star, I have to say this, Sam, because she was a former Gamecock her freshman year, and I have to give it to no other than Miss Sanaya Rivers, okay? Because she led NC State uh, the upset uh, for with UConn this past Sunday with a 92 to 81 victory. Rivers has the speed, she has the athleticism, and she has the smooth jumper. She closed the game playing 38 minutes, so she was only like sitting down for like what two minutes. She had 10 rebounds, five assists. 33 points my girl was balling out of control and she wasn't the only player in double digits so that goes to show that her teammates put in that work as well and it was not only a one woman show she is a standout she was a standout in high school of course which is why she was recruited by Dawn Staley unfortunately she didn't get much play she said that really I guess she just wasn't a good fit after a while so she went and made that decision to go on over to NC State and now she is shining bright that's also her hometown I mean she was a standout in high school so everybody was super happy to see her decide to go right on back to North Carolina and do what she needed to do I mean in high school she was ranked the number two guard and the number three overall player in the class of 2021 she was named the 2021 national player of the year by Gatorade at USA Today and earned All-America status after a senior year, senior season that included 36 points 11 rebounds and five steals per game so Sanaya as I said and I, and I uh, quote she said you know moving from South Carolina was a great, you know, it's a great program, great coaches, great players, but it wasn't a good fit. And I'm happy, you know, for the ring, but it's time for me to move on. And where she moved was great. So congratulations, Sanaya. Excited to see you shine. 
back in your home state, girl. Keep on doing big things. You are a star, and I'm sure we'll see more of you later on this season. I actually had to take some notes from the NC State game as well because if I was looking at the um, game as a whole, NC State completely dominated on all sides of the ball. They Mm -hmm. out-rebounded UConn 41-29. to They shared a pretty much equal number of turnovers, 12 turnovers for NC State to 13 for UConn. But I think what's important to note is that after the first quarter, NC State uh, had five turnovers and UConn had none. So UConn had 13 Mm -hmm. turnovers in three quarters, which is huge. They were pushing, uh, NC State was pushing the pace. They only uh, had 12 fouls to UConn's 22 fouls, which means that NC State was being the aggressor, was getting to the free throw line more, getting those free two points. NC State had a better shooting percentage from the field and from the three, played better in transition, and had more second chance points. So that Mm -hmm. is huge for NC State. And then, of course, like you said, you gave that special nod to Sanaya Rivers. I think that that is a huge win for them and a huge momentum builder. And so a team that definitely deserve to be in the top 25 and I think that they were also playing with a little bit of that chip on their shoulder and saying you know what we're not in the top 25 but we're going to show you why we deserve to be in the top 25 sure did I wanted to give a nod to Baylor who took down number four Utah on Thursday November 14th and I think the significance of that is people have been counting Baylor out ever since Kim Mulkey decided to go to LSU but they forget that their head coach Nikki Collin is a former WNBA coach with the Atlanta Dream so she knows a thing or two about basketball and so mm-hmm. people have been counting Baylor out they were ranked number 21 And I think it's important to note that the Pac-12 currently, I believe, is leading with the number of teams in the top 25 right now. So the Pac-12 is very dangerous. And so of all the teams that they decided to beat, they decided to beat one of the Pac-12 teams. We have bench players in double figures. We have three starters in double figures. We have... Just even keeled across the board. And the thing that I think I will give them a nod for is sometimes you just have to do a little bit better than your opponent. We're not always going to see those blowout games. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's just going to be you just need to do what is necessary to win by what Joss likes to say is we just need to win by one point. And while they won by seven, they did the little things that were necessary to get there. They were not as well on the rebounding, but they shot more threes. They made more threes. Um, They had double digit rebounds from one of their starters, Dariana Little Page Bugs. Um, And so they're really doing all of the things at this point to just get over the hurdle. You know, we don't need to win by a blowout. We just need to win by one point and so we saw them doing all of the little things that were necessary to win and they took down the number four team in the country so kudos to them kudos to nikki collin you keep showing your stuff because baylor is not going anywhere anytime soon Ooh, yeah that's a great pick sam uh i believe their guard senior guard sarah andrews uh she had about 18 points going a perfect six for six so that's crazy, you know. It, you know, it's just a different. Like I said earlier in the um in the pod, it's just a different level that these young ladies are playing on this year. 
I don't know if they were, I don't know what they were doing in the off season. They was itching to get back on this court and just show out. It it just they go were eating all their in. They was eating their weenies. Up. If this, this Popeyes up on this court right now because they are out here just balling out of control. I mean, not only is South Carolina, like you said so eloquently at the top of the pod about how our three consecutive hundred plus points. I mean, come on, Gamecocks. But also, not just them. There's other teams that are scoring 100 points per game plus points per game. This is on a college level. This is the first time I've seen so many games like this. And yeah, they're, you know, playing some of these teams that are not ranked, but as we already talked about, they're unranked teams that are beating these top five teams and rankings completely changing everything. So, I love to see it. Love what your girl is doing over with Baylor. She definitely has to get that credit. Um, I'm excited to see what Baylor does this year because this season period for the NCAA women's is going to be, is already one to watch. So as we wrap up another episode, Joss, tell the people where they can find us. You know, you can find us at beyond the bleachers underscore on Instagram tiktok and youtube make sure you like follow comment and join us when we go live you can also find the links to all of our social media pages and streaming platforms at beyond the bleachers podcast.com thank you so much for joining us on another episode of beyond the bleachers until next time stay loud stay laced and and stay stay locked locked in in. bye Bye, y'all